Good afternoon. This is Richard Shu, host of Shoe Untied. Today, I'm very pleased to have with us my guest, Alan Denenberg, who's a partner at Davis Polk. Alan, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. So, Alan, let's start by talking to you a little bit about how you, you know, got into Silicon Valley, what kind of practice you have, and how, you know how you built up this this, this successful practice you have here. Sure. Um, I started in New York in 1986, and as a young associate uh, in New York in the middle 80s, when New York was a much less attractive place than it is today, uh, I had worked with some uh, folks at Sherman and Sterling back then. I was a a second-year associate at Sherman. And what Sherman used to have a rotation back then, you could go spend two years in the Bay Area. Uh, They had a San Francisco office. And I'd worked with some folks, and they needed a, a young corporate associate, and uh, they asked me if I would come, and I checked with my wife. I took about 30 seconds, <laughs> and we were here. Uh, I was Before I knew it, I was here taking the bar and looking for, looking for an apartment and working, then working in the office here. I think we were here about six weeks and said, uh, my wife said to me, looked at me and said, uh, we're not going back, are we? And I said, no, we're not. (laughs) And uh, we've been here uh, most of my career ever since, other than a stint I spent in Asia for five years. But, uh, and my practice really has been, even during the time in Asia, um, uh, a mixture, which has been a great thing about being out here, a mixture of capital markets and M&A work. Uh, whereas if I was at a you know a firm big firm in New York, I'd probably just be doing one or the other. Uh, and even in within those, sometimes capital markets, some people are more high yield focused or IPO focused or what are equity focused. Uh, I kind of have had been fortunate enough to be able to do a broad swath of things, much broader uh, than I I would have been able to do in New York. And and it's been a capital markets and M and A practice. Ever since, mm-hmm. uh, and has that has that mix always been kind of that, or has it kind of evolved to be a mix, or did you start off more on the capital market side, and then M&A, yeah. how did that kind of evolve? Probably started off um, majoring in capital markets, minoring in in M and A. Always did some though. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, the managing partner of Sherman Sterling's San Francisco office, there were only eleven lawyers then in that office when I joined. And his his philosophy had always been he wanted people to be flexible enough to do a variety of things in a small office, kind of do what work was there. Um, and that kind of got me started down that path. Uh, and I've always kind of been able to maintain it. I you know, And the mix changes from year to year. You know, some years I'm doing 60% M&A and 40% capital markets, and then some years it's 60% capital markets and 40% M&A. It's really... Do you have a preference which you like better? It's a, That's a good question. No, and in a funny way, my preference is that I could do that I do both in the, in the sense that, um, you know, after you've been doing it as long as I have, uh, there's always a risk of boredom, mm-hmm. and it, it enables me to kind of keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. From deal to deal, and certainly even during the course of a given day, I might be, you know, negotiating a merger agreement in the morning and working on an IPO in the afternoon. And to me, that's you know, kind of keeps it fresh. Mm-hmm. And what kind of client base, or what kind of technology spaces, or industry spaces have you? Is is does your practice kind of um, work sure. in? Yeah, I mean, if you're on the in the Bay Area uh, and you're doing corporate work, you know, ninety nine percent you're going to have one of two or two of two focuses, and that's going to be tech and 
life science, mm-hmm. you know, biotech, medical device. And that's kind of how it's been for me. Uh, those two sectors, no real verticals within those, no, no, no focus on any particular vertical within those. Uh, and, and I've been fortunate again enough to be able to spend time doing healthcare and tech and doing all kinds of tech software, uh, semiconductors, you know, a variety of things. And occasionally I'll do something out of it. I've done some airline stuff. I worked on uh, Virgin's IPO, uh, Frontier's IPO, which is filed. Um, so I get to do some other, you know, some retail and some other other things along the way. But being out here, I think for any lawyer, this is you got to want to work in those sectors, or you're going to be a little bit few and far between in terms of work to do. Now, when you look back on your career, are there are there two or three deals or any particular deals that kind of stand out in your memory that you know were sort of you know that kind of stand out? Yeah, that's a good, it's a good question. Um, I'll tell you things that. Uh, I probably would talk about a little bit as being maybe the more distinctive in part just because they took so long to do. Uh, Maybe not even things in the Bay Area. I worked on Telstra, the Australian telecom company's privatization, which took about a year and a half. I moved to Australia for a couple months to work on it. Uh, It was a pretty exciting, very different challenging process and had the Australia thing on top of it, which made it fun <laughs> as well. Uh, I did a privatization of a Chinese airline, uh, China Eastern Airlines, uh, which was one of the very early, very, very early uh, Chinese U.S. IPOs, PRC U.S. IPOs. Uh, also super challenging, you know, because we're cutting kind of new ground and dealing with a company that was very much an old-style Chinese government-owned company, you know, had hospitals and had schools and had everything attached to it, and we had to kind of pull it apart uh, and turn it into a real company, standalone company that you could take public. Uh, Those were two that, you know, kind of jumped to mind as just really different and exciting. But, um, you know, worked on a lot of great things, Twitter IPO, here, Yelp IPO, just a lot of you know a lot of great stuff over the years. Now, when you look back at your successful career, what do you sort of attribute that to? I mean, do you attribute that to you know what being in the right place at the right time, certain mentors you've had, certain you know key things you did or didn't do or inadvertently did? Well, how do you attribute your success to? It's a really good question, and I you know it's hard to look at yourself <laughs> and say what you do, what you did right, what you did wrong, and what you just got lucky. And there's always an element of being lucky. I mean, there's no no, no doubt about that in life. Um, but, you know, I guess if I had to kind of step back and, you know, and not try to talk about myself too much, but two things I would say, you know, do matter, certainly in this environment, and hopefully I'm, I, I fit in both of those. One is just a very, you know, obvious one, which is you've got to be Super responsiveness is is a big thing for clients here. And if clients feel like they email you on a Saturday and they get a call back on a Saturday, uh, no matter what, that's you know that 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 distinguishes you to not from everybody, but to some degree from a certain set of people. And people do remember that you you know did what needed to be done in short order. I think the other though thing that people do sometimes lose sight of here more than other places. Uh, and and the people that in this environment who I think there's some variation, but who are very successful are people who operate well within the ecosystem. And by that I mean um, this place is not a show-off place. 
it's a place where if you have points to make, you're better. There's a way to make them where you're not embarrassing anybody else, where you're appearing consultative, mm-hmm. if that's the right word, <laughs> but you're 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 getting people's views. You're making everybody feel it's a joint decision, and you're not really you know you're not showing largely not showing off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not trying to make anyone else feel like feel badly, and I think if you can operate in that environment with other lawyers, which are a big part of it, accountants, companies, posing companies, company your client, uh, and everybody feels you're a team player, I think it makes a huge difference. Now you must obviously work with a lot of younger lawyers who you know. And what what kind of advice do you typically give now to lawyers that are you know that want to be successful or want to be partners or you know obviously in the law firm environment, which is getting increasingly difficult? You know what, what is what is some of the kind of advice you try to give them about, yeah, about being um, successful? I think um, certainly in terms of the the one thing I tell people in terms of building uh, is building a network early. There, there's a tendency certainly of people of my vintage. It was clearly the case where lawyers and 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 this applies whether your ultimate goal is to stay in a law firm or not mm-hmm. is to build a network of people um both other lawyers as well as bankers you know if you're a corporate i think of everything in the corporate context sure. but it would apply equally in litigation i presume but speaking at it from a corporate perspective bankers people at companies other people who are your peers don't worry about you know meeting the CEO of some company. Spend time with the people who are your peers, who will ultimately be the decision makers down the road. And right from the get-go, have lunch with people, follow up with people, send them things that might be interesting to them, get to know them, and focus on people you like. There's so many people out there. There's <laughs> going to be a group of people you, you really like, a group of people who you're kind of in the middle with, and a group of people you really don't want to spend time with. You can largely, as a young lawyer, just ignore the bottom half. Apart from working on a deal with them, you have to work on the deal or whatever you're doing. But afterwards, don't don't waste your time. Enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Spend time with people you either like and want to be really good friends with, or at least you enjoy, and build that network from the day you get here till till for the rest of your career. Mm-hmm. Keep building that network, uh, and you'll end up in a great place because if you stay at the law firm, you've, you'll have a natural set of clients. If you don't stay at a law firm and you go in-house, you'll have a number of people who you can talk to about opportunities, people who will think of you uh, for opportunities. Uh, and and uh, frankly, at the end of the day, it makes a lot more fun. Yeah, that's great advice. Now, let me ask you, in your career, obviously, you've been a law firm in your entire career. Did you, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen a lot of other opportunities, did you ever think about doing something else, becoming a banker yourself, for example, or maybe go in-house and be the GGC, one of the, comp- the successful companies you work with? Yeah, the only thing I ever gave serious attention or serious, um, serious, seriously thought about was when I was a, you know, younger associate, mid-level associate. I'll say, fourth-year associate, something like that, uh, fifth-year associate. Uh, a banker. I won't. I won't mention which bank, but a bank approached me about working there, mm-hmm. and I, you know, kind of gave it some serious thought uh, and decided things were going well at the law firm, and I. I took the path of least resistance and just stayed where I was. Uh, but that was it. I've never really looked back otherwise or even looked sideways otherwise and thought, oh, mm-hmm. I should go in-house or whatever. I was always pretty happy doing what I was doing. I liked the variety of things I got to do, and uh, it was always kind of interesting and fresh enough that uh, I never thought otherwise. So no regrets about not taking that job? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm happy 
It's it worked out well. Now, Alan, I know you're a young man. What about looking forward? Do you, anything else you'd like to still do in your career, in your successful career? Do you just want to keep doing what you're doing? What, what's the future? Yeah, hold? it's it's a good question. I'll you know I'll I'll certainly do what I'm doing for a while longer. I'm fifty, uh, almost fifty seven. Um, so I'll keep going here for a while. I would I would I knowing myself, I would probably and I've get, tried to give it some thought. Start to give it some thought. Is there a, is there something in between golfing every day, <laughs> which is the back end, and doing something else in between? What that something else will be, I don't I don't know at this point. But I probably will want to do something outside the law firm for you know some some set of years, five years or so in between. Where I, where and it may just be, I shouldn't say just be, but it may be charity oriented, but not charity meaning you're on a board and go to a meet, but actually actively doing something where I can feel I'm bringing to that organization something that I've learned over the years. Well, Alan, it's been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your taking the time. If you do figure out what that other thing is, you'll have to come back and tell me about it. I will do that. Thank you. This is Richard Chu and Alan Denenberg. Thanks.